You know, those people who know my daughters will know which one I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say because I don't want to embarrass her. Um, but there was um, one of my daughters right around late October, early November, behavior changed radically, became very helpful and polite and, you know, asking what could she do. And of course, this child was very clever because, you know, they, she didn't just, she didn't just do it for a day. She gave it a good week or two. And then after about two weeks, then, you know, we got the list. You know, <laughs> the Christmas wish list, right? Smart girl, right? Smart girl. And, you know, the question was always, why can't you be this way all year? Why can't you be this way all year? But, you know, that's not just a question for a child. It's really a question for all of us as, as adults, teenagers. You know, we look at Christmas and we go, this is a great time, you know, for family. It's a great time for you know, happiness, you know, we think more about what unites us than what divides us. We, we, we look to peace we, in a world, in, a, in our society that seems so torn apart. And we, we see all that, and we take a break from it. Some people, the break's for a couple weeks, some maybe for a whole month. But why not all year? Why not? Why don't we tell our families that we care about them? Why don't we think about things that make them happy and give them gifts? Why don't we treat one another better and with more respect and, and, and look past our, our differences and look more towards the love that should unite us? Why not? And I'm going to tell you why not. There's actually two reasons. One reason is, is the reason that I think most people will give. Because it's the reason it makes sense. Because people go, because it's not realistic. It's not realistic to be this way. It, there's, you, only a very naive person would think we could be this way all the time. It's not realistic. That's not how the world works. You know, throughout the year, you know, there's, there's going to be other things that happen. There's going to be circumstances that arise. There's going to be, you know, battles that need to be fought and need to be won. It's not realistic. Christmas is great for a couple weeks. But it's kind of naive to think that it could go on. That's, that's our typical response. That's the not realistic response. And you know what? It's true. Because the other response, the other answer to that question, why not all year? The other answer is the one that we find in the Bible. And what the Bible tells us is that the reason we can't do this all year is because it's impossible. It's impossible for us to do this on our own. You see, we're, we're correct if we think that we can somehow generate good feelings that we generate at this time of year and we can keep generating them throughout the year and every year. We're right. You can't. It's impossible. 
Christianity says, but there is a way. There is a way that it's possible. You see, if the Christmas story was just this story about this baby being born, and this story about this, this, this couple that overcomes all of these challenges so that this baby can be born and this baby could be the Messiah, whatever that means. Could be the Savior, whatever that means. If that's all that Christmas is, it's not worth believing. Ah, the other story's better. You know, the one with the beard and the red suit. Because at least I got a chance to get some stuff, right? Just got to be good, at least around October. Just be good. Got a chance to get at least something. That's a better story. But this story that ends in a, in a cave, in a barn, with a baby being born, oh, it feels good. It feels good to angels singing. It feels good, you know, the shepherds and the wise men. It feels good that the story ends in the Bible with these words, and Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Oh, it's a great story. It's a beautiful story. But that story is not going to be enough to help us to have whatever this Christmas spirit is supposed to be throughout the year. We have to finish the story. We have to understand that the baby that's born in a manger is destined to die on a cross. And not just die on a cross just to die on a cross. Not just die on a cross as a martyr, but to die on a cross as the sacrifice, as the payment for not just my sins, not just your sins, but the sin of the world. You see, what prevents us from having Christmas all year is the fact that we are gripped in sin. That somehow once we escape December, we go back to just thinking of ourselves or just thinking of the people closest to us. We go back to just thinking about how we can move up in our career and, and how we can get more. We go back to just thinking about how we can survive and get from day to day. Something has to get us out of the grip, out of the grip of sin that makes us focus so much on ourselves and how powerful is that grip? It's so powerful that every year we're reminded of this great gift of God, this gift of selflessness, of not thinking what God's going to get out of the deal, but he's giving because he cares and because he loves. And we, we celebrate this gift once a year, but almost immediately we return to the other way of living. This baby born in a manger someday will die on a cross. You see, it's the whole story. It's not just the story of, of the Son of God becoming man. That story is important. This could not have been done by just a great person. It's not just that story, as important as that story is. But it's the rest of the story. 
It's the story of of the Son of God who will live this perfect life, who will show us the way that we can live, who can actually live Christmas all year. And then he will die. And he will die not because he's defeated. He will die because in dying, he is going to give us victory. Victory over sin and death. If you spent any time really understanding the world and really understanding the evil and suffering in the world, if you spent any time not just looking at the evil and suffering that's around us, which is was bad, can be overwhelming when, when people we love get sick or, or when they die or when, when, when our relationships break down or, and when we're worried about everything. Those are all things. But if you really think about the suffering and evil that's going on around the world, in places where people woke up today not sure they're going to make it to the end of the day, And this isn't just today. It's going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. When you think about that, when you really understand what's going on in the world, you will realize a baby in a manger is not enough. We need a Savior on a cross. We need someone who will say, enough. I've broken that power. And I show you another way. The story of Christmas doesn't end with Christmas. The story requires so much from God. What does it require from us? That's what we're going to talk about briefly this morning. What does it require from us? This Christmas season, we've been doing a Christmas series. We started two weeks ago. We're going to finish next week. And it's the word faithfulness. What does God require for us? He requires faithfulness. I like the word faithfulness better than faith because when we talk about faith, a lot of people believe that that's just things that I believe in my head. Or it's something that I I believed a long time ago and since I said I believed it, I'm kind of good for the rest of my life. That's not faithfulness. I have a, I coach cross country and track, and, and I have a lot of, of runners who have faith. Oh, yeah. Yep, I can get better. Yep, I can be stronger. Yeah, next year I can be right there competing for the state championship. But those students, a lot of them don't have faithfulness. Fortunately, I have some that do. And even though our season hasn't started, I have students who have faithfulness. You know what they do? They come to off-season workouts. When they can't make it, they ask me, what can I do today to get better? What are you doing today? When I give them a plan for the next two, three months about what they do on the days when we don't have off-season workouts, they're doing those things. They're being faithful. In fact, some of them will go beyond. They'll not just do what I say. They'll go beyond that. You know, they'll start, they'll start looking up stuff. They'll start reading stuff. They'll start, they'll start looking for ways they can get better. They, they look at and dream about getting better shoes that will make them faster or whatever. But they're faithful. 
They're faithful every day. Every day. Faithfulness. It's what God wants from us. Show up every day. Do all we can every day. So we live in this world. We live in a world that, similar to 2,000 years ago, still needs a Savior. And so we come to this familiar text, the birth of the Savior, and, and the announcement of the birth to the shepherds. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Sometimes when we, when we hear familiar words, we hear familiar stories, we kind of turn our brains off because we think, like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I've, I've, I've heard that. It's kind of cool. You know, I remember when, you know, Linus and the Charlie Brown Christmas special did it. You know, we, you know, we see that every year. Let's not turn our brains off. Let's look back and see what's happening here. And let's look particularly at the faithfulness of the shepherds. Because this faithfulness, and we really kind of pick it up when they get this into the action part of this in verse 15, the faithfulness leads the shepherds to the Savior. You see, they're understanding something. They're understanding that they're not just going to see a baby. As we talked about earlier, Christmas is more than just about a baby. They're going to see the Messiah, the Savior. And of course, they may not have a full understanding. We don't know much about these shepherds. We don't know if they were just shepherds, regular old shepherds, or if they were special shepherds that were in charge of watching the flock that would have been used in the sacrifices in the temple. We're not sure. But we know that when they thought about a savior, they were primarily thinking about someone who would save them from the Romans. The Romans had, had conquered this area, Israel. They had conquered Israel in around 63, B.C. 63. About, only about 50, 60 years. And they've been oppressed. 
They had been a sovereign nation for over a century after having been conquered by another group just prior to that. They need a savior. They believe a savior is coming. They believe that God is going to raise up someone who will allow them to take on the Romans, to get rid of their oppressors. And even though they have, at this point, the wrong idea about the Savior, they don't fully understand what Jesus is really coming to do, that Jesus is going to defeat the Romans, but he's not going to defeat the Romans by fighting the way that they fight. Jesus is going to defeat the Romans by changing the rules of the game, by becoming a servant, by being humble, by going against the way that the world would want to go. They don't know that, but they know they need a savior, and they go. See, I think that's part of the struggle with the world today. I think the world today, especially in Hawaii, you know, things go pretty well. You know, we have our ups and downs, you know, good days, bad days, but things go pretty well. And I think a lot of us have become convinced that we don't need a savior. Things aren't that bad. Ah, things could be better. We could have a little more money, a little better house. But you don't need a savior for that. And if the world doesn't believe it needs saving, what are they going to do when the Savior shows up? When we look at Christmas, it's funny because it's not like it's hiding. It's in all the songs we sing. Jesus, the Savior, is born. The Savior. The one who would save us from our sins. So I think we share something with the shepherds. I think we share the fact that we need a savior. But what we don't sometimes share with with the shepherds is knowing that we need a savior. I think a lot of us live in a way, and I'm talking even about people who are Christians. The way it kind of shows up in a Christian's life is they believe all the right things, but they're not really convinced they need a savior. Because if they really convinced that they need a savior and they really knew the danger that they were facing, they would be a whole lot more grateful. A whole lot more grateful. If if you were kind of about to cross the street and someone grabbed you and pulled you back like this, at first you'd probably be a little upset. You'd be like, what are you doing? But then if they pulled you back, if you just, if you saw a truck just rushing by that you didn't see, it changes. Because you realize what they saved you from. And hopefully you would be grateful. Hopefully you wouldn't be like, well, you didn't have to grab me so hard, right? <laughs> you, you, you should have been more gentle. You know, my right arm's sore. You should have grabbed my left arm. No, you'd be so happy, so grateful. And I think part of the problem at Christmas is that we've forgotten what we're being saved from. And we don't think we need to be saved. And so when the Savior shows up, we'll tip our cap and say, hey, thanks, Jesus. Not sure what you did, but thanks anyways. 
we see the faithfulness of the shepherds doesn't just lead them to the Savior. It, it leads them to not just hear from the angels, oh, cool, there's a Savior being born. Great. They want to go see more. They want to go see more. They don't want to just sit back and just say, yeah, you had this great angel experience. That's really cool. They're not going to go home and talk to their wives and say, you know, last night there was a bunch of angels. Because the wife would ask the annoying question. What did the angel say? I said, go see this baby being born. It's awesome. Did you go? Um, you know, kind of busy. You know, the, there was a really good game on. And, you know, it was going to decide who is the Division II AA college champion. I had to watch it. No. They don't just stay out in the fields. They hear about the Savior and they go because they want to learn more. Every year at Christmas, people are reminded that there is a Savior. Here's my invitation to you. Learn more. Don't just come today. And I'm not talking about coming to our worship services, although that'd be great. It'd be great. I'm talking about learning more. I will make this guarantee to you. Any one of you wants to know more about what it means to be a Christian, has questions about the Bible, maybe stuff you've heard about the Bible is not true or it's just a man-made book or that, you know, isn't, isn't, haven't we moved past the need for a God? You want to come talk to me, talk to me. You don't know me, so I'm going to tell you this, but you don't know me, so you have no reason to believe this, but it's true. I will never try to convince you of anything. I will only talk to you, listen to your questions, and present to you what I believe the truth is. But you owe it to yourself to be like the shepherds and to be faithful enough to go and see, to learn. Don't waste it. Some of you preschoolers and preschool grandparents, preschool parents, the blessing of your children coming to this preschool it's not just that we have a great preschool. It's that you are in a place you might not have been in for a long time. You're sitting in a church and you're listening to a crazy bald guy talk about a book that was written 2,000 years ago. It's not an accident. God's brought you here for a purpose. Don't waste it. Be like the shepherds. Go and see. Learn. Last thing we see with the shepherds is that they don't just keep it there. You see, Christianity promises to give us purpose, promises to give us hope, promises that we will have a constant companion all the time in the spirit Jesus Christ. But Christianity is not just about us. It's not just about me having a better life. It's not just about me having a better family. All of those things are good. But there's a purpose. 
And we see these shepherds that when they leave, they go, they see the scene at the manger, the stable, and then they walk away from that. What are they doing? They're actually helping others. You see, Mary is this teenage girl. She's probably 13, 14 years old. And she's having a baby. And Joseph is over there, and he's heard from an angel, but Joseph knows he's not the father of this baby. And, and you know, he wants to believe the angel, but he also is a realist. And he goes, hmm, you know, I, 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 I get it. I, I'm going to do what the angel said. I'm going to take Mary as my wife. The shepherds are so important because when they show up and they tell Mary and Joseph what the angel said, it confirms everything. You see, a lot of people, they become Christians maybe when they're younger and then they they still try to live a Christian life, but they don't really think they need to be in church, that they don't have any need to be in church. And I I meet with some boys at a, at a high school, and, and I've raised this question to them, why go to church? And they gave me their regular answers, like, oh, you know, we go to learn more and grow and worship God. And I said, that's only half of it. The other reason you come to church is because you're an encouragement to the other believers. You're an encouragement. Your story is added to our stories. And all of our faith grows stronger. It's not just about you. It's about what God will do through us when he brings us together. Mary and Joseph, they, they, they're probably just rejoicing inside, celebrating, just thinking like, this is great. We don't even know why those shepherds were coming. That's weird. They're over there just trying to take care of a newborn. These bunch of shepherds show up. And then when they start to talk and they start to say what they've seen and what they've experienced, she treasures it. And then they go and they tell others. They tell others. They tell anybody who would listen. This faithfulness. It's faithfulness that speaks. And it's not just once. It's all the time. Throughout their lives. Yes. There's miraculous parts of the Christmas story. There's the miracle of the virgin birth. There's miraculous parts at the end that after Jesus dies on the cross is the resurrection. But a lot of the rest It's not miraculous. It's somebody faithful telling somebody else faithful who tells somebody else faithful. That's what we do. That's why we even celebrate this time. It's saying again and again that this story, this piece of human history that all that it promises is happening now and can continue to happen in your life, in your family, in your community, in your world.
but it requires faithfulness. <laughs>